0: Wolfpack ain't for soft, it ain't for soft people. There's a plain way for you to take it to St. Louis? Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't have to tell you people, we got better tonight. I mean, that's a triple play. You know, it's welling up inside of you, so get it out. It's therapeutic. I'm listening. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. This is Pack Therapy, and I am Joe Giulio, and I am listening. NC State pulled off a miracle comeback on Friday night against North Carolina. Down nine points with 95 seconds left. Ameka Amizi scored twice. Chris Dunn recovered an improbable onsides kick. And NC State's defense came up with one last stop on Sam Howell to get to 9-3 and three on the season and 6-2 and two in the ACC. Pretty good. Not quite good enough to win the Atlantic Division because Wake Forest took care of its business on Saturday with a road route of Boston College. So it will be the Demon Deacons 7-1 and one in ACC play, who will win the Atlantic Division and face Pittsburgh next Saturday in Charlotte for the ACC title. Close for NC State. Really good season for NC State, and with still the potential to be a great season. Before I talk a little bit more about how NC State can make this a great season, and to talk a little bit about what really is next for the Wolfpack, I want to thank Rusty Helser for his outstanding production work, and of course, for Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority for sponsoring Pack Therapy. We have a new episode each Monday. You can find all of our episodes on WRAL SportsFan.com. Please subscribe or follow so you don't miss an episode, and please rate us five stars. The Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. No mosquitoes, no pests, no contracts, guaranteed. If you're in the Triangle Sandhills, or Fayetteville, check them out at bugsbite.com. So I wanted to start the final pack therapy session of the football season where we began. And that was with the preseason predictions. I had NC State going eight and four overall, and 5-3 and in the league. I ended up being off by a game. Brandon Bishop, former NC State safety and PAC pro, actually nailed it. 9-3. and I owe Brandon one for being right, and I was wrong. The win over Carolina on Friday was obviously important to NC State for all of the reasons it's important in a rivalry game, recruiting, bragging rights. Maybe most important for Dave Dorn, not having to answer after a loss, another difficult loss. But it did actually accomplish a couple of things. Number one, it's the first time NC State has been undefeated at home since 1986, so you have to go back to the Dick Sheridan era for that, for the last time that NC State was able to do that. Obviously, the home schedule included some memorable wins over Clemson in double overtime and then the Carolina game, which the way that the final sequence played out, Emeka Amizi and Chris Dunn, those are two names who are now going to go down in the lore of this rivalry, which we normally associate on the Carolina side, Right. Dudley Bradley in basketball or Marcus Page or Gio Bernard well for NC State they have their own miraculous comeback now one really that was straight from the Dean Smith playbook Amizi had been bottled up up until that point and or ignored by NC State's offense and for him to come up with a 64-yard touchdown with 135 left in the game to cut Carolina's lead to 30 to 28 and then catch the game winner only 26 seconds later, the 24-yard pass from Devin Leary to Emeka Amizi Leary ended up with four touchdown passes in the game. It was an odd game. NC State blocked a punt after Carolina's first possession of the game and, and led 14-0 after the first quarter, but then ended up trailing 24-14, and then Carolina had the 30-21 lead with just 2 minutes and 12 seconds left in the game. Only for Amizi and Leary and Dunn you'll remember from that Clemson game had missed the game-winning kick. He made amends for that with the onside kick and the recovery of his own onside kick to give NC State the chance to win the game. So you have the undefeated mark at home for the first time since 1986, and now you have NC State with a chance to win 10 games for only the second time in school history. In 2002, Phillip Rivers, his junior year, NC State went eleven and three. They were five and three in the league. Eleven and three overall. That season was memorably capped in Jacksonville with a bowl win over Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl. Eleven and three. The only time in NC State's history that they've reached double digits and wins. So in the bowl game, NC State will have a chance to hit that double digit mark that eluded Dave Doran in twenty seventeen and eighteen. Speaking of the bowl game. The way that the ACC process works now, at 9-3, and three, NC State can't be jumped by any teams that have 7 or 6 wins. That means they will play in one of three games, which the ACC unofficially calls their Tier 1 games or the first tier games. And that would be the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando, and the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. Given NC State's last two trips have been to the Gator Bowl, we can safely assume they're not going to be in Jacksonville. That leaves Orlando on December 29th in what is now called the Cheez-It Bowl. You'll recall that NC State played in this game in what called the Champs Bowl back in 2010. Brandon Bishop played in that game, but memorably it was Russell Wilson's final game in a Wolfpack uniform, which was a win over West Virginia. West Virginia is still in the Big 12, And the Big 12 will be the opponent in Orlando. That could end up being Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or Baylor. It all depends on how that Big 12 race will shake out. But that's going to be a good opponent. December 29th is the date for that game in Orlando. If you were to say to me now, Joe, I'm putting a gun to your head, what bowl game do you think NC State will end up in? I would say to you, I believe they'll be in the Cheez-It Bowl on December 29th. San Diego is the other possible alternative for their bowl destination. The ACC has a new deal in San Diego for the Holiday Bowl. The opponent is the Pac-12. The date is December 28th. The game is played in Petco Park in San Diego. You figure this is a game where the ACC will be more inclined to send a school like Wake Forest or Pittsburgh, the loser of the ACC championship game, this is the type of game where the ACC would be more inclined because it's more of a television showcase than it is about selling tickets to send the loser of the Pitwake Wake Forest game. If I had to guess, I would say Clemson will end up in the Gator Bowl as the ACC's representative there. So NC State knocks off the list here of undefeated at home for the first time since 86, chance to win 10 wins for only the second time in school history and a chance to win a bowl game for the first time since 2017 under Dave Dorn. Dave's 3 and 3 right now in bowl games with a win over UCF in the Bitcoin Bowl in 2014. They beat Vanderbilt in the Independence Bowl in 2016 and they beat Arizona State in the Sun Bowl in 17. The losses were to Mississippi State in the Belk Bowl in 15, to Texas A&M in the Gator Bowl in 18 and then of course to Kentucky last year in the Gator Bowl. Actually, Arizona State could be one of the opponents in the Holiday Bowl. UCLA is another that might wind up being out there. Again, though, I, if you made me guess, I would say NC State will be in Orlando for the Cheese it Bowl and not out in San Diego for the Holiday Bowl. And that leads me to the next logical question, which is who's going to play in the bowl game for NC State? Last year, NC State was missing eight starters against Kentucky. They ended up losing the game. That actually really cost them in this sense. If NC State beats Kentucky in the bowl game, they're 9-3. and three. They almost certainly start the season ranked in the top 25, which matters because it's about respect. And we heard Dave Doran mention multiple times this year about respect. Respect starts in the offseason, and that's where Carolina won last year, in the offseason and in the hype. Of course, you'd rather be NC State and win on the field but I understand where Dave Doran's coming from in terms of getting respect. Well, the time to get respect is when you go outside of the league. NC State took care of their business inside of the league this year for the most part. Six and two. Seven and three last year, six and two this year. That's pretty good. Now they have to be able to go outside of the league and show what type of team that they are. The bowl game will be that type of showcase for them. It likely won't be against an SEC team, but. When you play a power five opponent, which NC State almost certainly will in the bowl game this season, that's a big chance for respect. The question is who's going to play in that game for NC State? It's probably safe to assume at this point that Ikea Kwanyu, NC State's outstanding left tackle, is probably headed to the NFL. He's projected as a first-round pick, a high first round pick. So he's probably not going to play in the bowl game. Perfectly understandable. Ricky Person, the running back for the Wolfpack, has declared that he will enter the NFL draft. He's been in school for four years. I think he probably needs to play in the game to improve his draft stock, so I wouldn't be surprised if he actually played in the game. The question for NC State, other than who's going to play in the game, is who's going to be back next season. Isaiah Moore, their outstanding linebacker who missed the last five and a half games of the season with a knee injury, he's already said he will be back for the 2022 season. Cyrus Fagan, their graduate transfer, actually ended up only playing one game this year. He'll be back for the 2022 season. That's going to be helpful. I would expect safety Tanner Engel, who had an outstanding season and was able to stay on the field and stay away from the targeting penalties, I think he'll be back next season as well. I expect him to play in the bowl game. Peyton Wilson's missed all but two games this year with a shoulder injury. It's safe to say he's not going to play in the bowl game, but I think at this point he might be leaning towards coming back next season, not because he has to show the NFL what kind of talent he has, but because he has to show the NFL that he can be durable and that he could stay healthy. Going into this season, I would have bet any amount of money that this would have been the last for Wilson in college, but the way that the injury worked out and the timing of it, he might just have to come back and play another year to show the NFL scouts and prove to them his durability. The big question then becomes at quarterback. Devin Leary I mentioned threw for four touchdowns in the win over Carolina on Friday night. That gave him the new NC State single-season school record with 35 touchdown passes on the season. He had 35 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 3,433 yards. Listen, anytime you pass Phillip Rivers in the NC State record book, particularly in a single season, you've done something right. This is not a great year for quarterbacks in the NFL draft, and you add that with the players who just came out last year who were supposed to be these game-changers but have kind of flopped in the NFL so far, and for all different reasons, right? But if you think about it this way, the best quarterback so far of the rookies has been Mac Jones. Whose game does Devin Leary's look most like of those five quarterbacks taken in the first round this year? The answer is obviously Mac Jones. That doesn't mean I think Leary is a first-round pick. It just means the NFL is always looking for quarterbacks, and they're going to take a long, hard look at someone who completed 65% of their passes, someone who only threw five interceptions while attempting 430 passes, and someone who has now already spent four years in college. Leary technically has two years of eligibility remaining. He's technically a sophomore, but don't forget that first year he redshirted and he has spent four years in college. I don't think Leary is leaning towards going to the NFL. All I'm saying to you is he's going to be evaluated and it's going to be a decision that he has to make. He can look at the rest of the roster and say, wow, look at all these other people who are coming back and finish the job we couldn't quite get to this year, which was winning the Atlantic Division in the ACC title. That's going to be a pivotal decision this offseason for NC State, what Devin Leary does. I don't know what it's going to be. I just know with NC State, sometimes you really do have to prepare for the worst. And speaking of which, what do we know about Dave Doran's future at NC State? Here's what we know. He has four years left on his contract. He gets paid $3.5 million. If you look at that number nationally, he's underpaid. If you look at it in the ACC, he's also underpaid, especially when you consider he went 6-2 and two this year and 7-3 and three the previous year. I'm not suggesting that NC State needs to go full Penn State or Michigan State here and give Dave Doran a 10-year contract, but the way that college football is changing and the jobs that are open right now, look, I don't think Dave's going to get the Florida or the LSU or the USC job, but I don't know what's going to happen in the trickle-down portion of the hiring cycle. With four years left on his deal, Dave has a buyout of about $7 million. That's not a lot of money. $3.5 million a year, yes, sounds like a lot to me and you, But it's also not a lot of money, especially when you got Liberty and Texas San Antonio and some other group of five schools who are paying their coaches more than what Doran's making right now. So you have to anticipate that Doran and his agent are going to be aggressive this offseason. This is a chance for them to get a little bit more security for them while Dave is hot. And quite frankly, while the market is tilting towards coaches right now. Here's what Tucker's done so far at Michigan State. Two and five last year and nine and two as of the recording of this. That's 11 and seven. He got a 10 year, $95 million extension. James Franklin has a Big Ten title on his resume. He got a 10 year extension. Look, we don't have to like how coaching compensation works, but you have to understand it. And at $3.5 million a year, Dave Doran is underpaid, particularly at what he's been able to do in his performance at NC State. I think Dave will end up signing a contract extension just as he did last year, but I don't think it's going to be cheap this time around. I think NC State's going to have to give him a significant bump, or there's a lot of uncertainty right now in coaching circles, except for it's a good time to be a coach, and it's a good time to get an extension and lock up a coach who you believe can get the job done. After Friday's win over North Carolina, yes, it was a miracle comeback, but you can't argue with what Dave Doran's done this season or last. Last year, I will still say, was his best work. But this year, with all of the injuries they've had again, especially on the defensive side, and to still perform at the level that they did on the defensive side, you have to look at 9-3 and three and 6-2 and two in the ACC and say, it's worth more on the open market than $3.5 million. We'll see what Dave Doran decides to do. And finally, let's close out this pack therapy session with some therapy for Carolina fans because they are angry after Friday's loss to NC State and angry about a tweet that I had that pointed out that, you know, sometimes it's better to win on the actual field than on signing day. So let's go through some angry tweets from Carolina fans. We have Vernon Glenn, Gilio, pitiful, such a blatant state shill. You should be sent to cover animal husbandry at the vet school. You're the old joke. If I want to hear an a-hole, I'd fart. And this one from Maddox97, Braves World Series champs. Fire this idiot into the sun, WREL. He doesn't even know how the game he covers works. Taking shots at a kid who had nothing to do with it either touchdown scored. A whole ass clown is what Joe is. Maddox97 wasn't done. You're an effing moron. Tony strapped him all game long. Didn't do shit till two minutes left when Carolina was in cover two. Go watch the film, you dumbass. Joe Riggs, Joey Rigg too. who's got a Tyler Hansborough in his avatar. You're an effing idiot, Joe. Hey, he used you are correctly. Chili Dog, you really are a low-life piece of poop emoji. Titanic Tar Heel, ignorant ass, trifling ass bitch. Kevin Brown, this is why your ratings are in the toilet. Actually, Kevin, our ratings are very good. Brian Bradford, he was all kinds of upset. It's a LeBron James meme. That's him, the 40-something-year-old fat man trying to belittle a 19-year-old. Ah, stunned it took us this long to get to the fat jokes. Zach Jones, you ever not a dumbass, question mark? More Brian Bradford, Joe is a pandering journalist. Eat shit, Joe. And here's my personal favorite, because there's a baby in the avatar, Jonathan Griffin. Joe, you're retarded. Now, had you tweeted something about the safety that didn't control the back third of the field, which is what happens in zone coverage, I'd be agreeing with you. This BS just makes you look like the state ass that you are. So There you have it. NC State fans are supposed to be the crazy ones, aren't they? Well, in the immortal words of Chuck Amato, happy Thanksgiving. And Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you. Hopefully we'll all have a great new year here in the Triangle. Be good, my friends, especially my Carolina friends.